Welcome in to a week one edition of the Deep Slam podcast presented by Xfinity. Week one, Monday Night Football, the New Orleans Saints. I'm excited about this first game, as I'm sure everyone out there is. And I'm also excited about this first podcast. We got safety to Sean Gibson Sr. And uh, we're going to chat with the New Orleans Saints senior writer for thesaints.com, John DeShazier, of what the Saints offseason has looked like. A lot of pieces are the same as last year, but they've made some changes as well. And uh, let's get to them about what their big storylines for the week are. But first... Xfinity. This podcast brought to you by Xfinity. The coverage of Xfinity XFi can't be beat. You can stream your team all season long on every in-home device, no matter where you watch. This is Beyond Wi-Fi. This is XFi. Xfinity, the proud partner of the Houston Texans, also proud sponsor of this podcast. So let's get into it. Sean Gibson Sr., I had a chance to talk with him in the offseason a few times, but this is going to be his first game suiting up as a Houston Texan, first regular season game, that is. And we talked about a lot of things. We talked about the first time he played Drew Brees, and that was a story that I wasn't expecting. And we also talked about what that defense is looking like. They've added some new pieces. The offense has added some new pieces to Sean. He's been around the league. He's played for Cleveland. He's played for Jacksonville. You'd be surprised by the people that he's played with that he shares some information about. But you know what? I don't want to give anything away. Let's get right into it to Sean Gibson on the Deep Slant Podcast. Things are different around here as far as practicing. You guys are practicing a little bit later. Mm-hmm. What's this week been like? I know there's an intensity about training camp, but how does the air in the building, on the practice field, in the locker room, how does that all change when it's actually the regular season? Um, I think that the whole dynamics of everything kind of changed because at this point, training camp, everything you do in training camp, OTAs, the summertime is to prepare you for these moments right here. And I guess the stage is set because we kick off on Monday Night Football. So the stage is not only going to be electric, but, you know, the whole world will be watching. So I think that, you know, everything that we have done up until this point leads us to right now. So I guess the dynamics of it has definitely changed, man, because now we're playing for wins and losses. And uh, everything, whenever the, the you, you're keeping score, man, wins and losses matter, you know, to get to that big dance. I think that it's always important to start fast. All right, you missed a little bit of time in the preseason. How do you feel now? Bill O'Brien said you'd be ready for this week one game. How how are you feeling heading oh, into this I, week? I, I, I'm good. I mean, honestly, if we're being honest, that was kind of like a little break, right? Give me a little break. No. Um, <laughs> just need some time off. Just yes. a little bit, man. Yeah. I'm getting up there, man. But, uh, you know, realistically, I think that, you know, injuries are part of the game. And, um, you know, being around the game as long as I've, I, I have been around, I, I, I'm understanding and mentally got to – I guess understanding that, you know, if I'm not physically out there, I definitely need to be more in tune mentally. And I think that that's one of the things that I've been preparing myself because the physical part is going to take care of itself. Your God given ability. Uh, it's the mental part. Me being a new face, new to this defense, trying to find the the small creases in this defense. Everybody know uh, Coach Cornell defenses are pretty complex. So I think that was the biggest thing for me. But as far as mentally and physically, man, I feel pretty good. I feel great. And uh, having all of the guys out there is a is a, is a great feeling man and I feel uh, like I said I feel good man I'm gonna be 100% full goal next Monday you come out here and it's like a few new pieces on offense and defense what's it been like with the new players it was a kind of a crazy whirlwind weekend with the Absolutely. trades but you got a few new players on on offense and defense uh Barcavius Mingo you mm-hmm. many followed his career but right. you were actually there when he first yeah. came into the league what do you know about him? Oh, man, Mingo. Mingo's a good guy. Don't talk much. Going to bring his hard head, and he's going to go hard. He's going to do anything that you ever ask him to do. I mean, we drafted him as a DN when he got to us in Cleveland back then. Moved in the linebacker. I mean, he was the first top five pick. You know, that guys like that aren't truly responsive uh, to, to you know, change and things like that. I mean, the guy just came. He was a top pick, and he came and did anything we asked him to do for the team. Um, and I think that it was one of the things where um, – 
you know, a guy like that, man, you can you can never have too many guys like a guy like Mingo. He's a guy that you want on your team because if you need him to line up at punt, he was the PP. He 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 he's gonna do anything to help the team win. And like I say, I can't say enough good things about him, man. He's a humble guy, uh, ultra athletic, ultra talented, man. I mean, he's running faster than DBs, man. I'm telling you, I seen a guy. Oh, is that move. right? He's running. So I think that having a guy like him, you can never have too many guys like that. And you know, I'm pretty sure all the acquisitions was pretty good. I just personally know Mingo, man, and I'm excited to have him on my team again. Well, uh, earlier in camp, uh, the Texans traded for Duke Johnson. You you guys overlapped a little bit in yeah, Cleveland yeah, yeah. as well, right? Yeah, Duke. Duke. Uh, he was a young guy when I first got there, man. I remember, um, you know, just remember telling a man, like, man, he's going to be a problem when he get older because, like, the things that you've seen him do as a young guy, and, you know, he still was wet behind the ears, so to say. And he was a guy who truly just – he understood the game. And you say, man, five years this dude is going to be a problem. And you fast four or five years from now, not only is he a threat when you give him the ball in the backfield, but he's a threat if you line him up. He's a mitch match on linebackers, and he can give safeties problem if you want to bring a safety to cover him. Uh, a running back like that, man, is always a good problem. We're facing one of those guys in New Orleans, man. So having a guy like that on our team with that type of versatility uh, combined with – the Will Fullers and the DeAndre Hopkins and the Deshaun Watsons, I mean, that's a scary sight. That's definitely scary, man. And I'm happy, again, to be reconnected with a guy like that because I know what to expect from Duke, man, from from the time he came to the league to right now, man. He's just been a consummate pro, man, and he's just only getting better. Let's talk about the New Orleans Saints. Have you played against Drew Brees before? I have played against When's Drew Brees. When's the last Brees. time you played against I him? I played against him, fun fact, 2014. I had a 67-yard interception return for you a did. touchdown. You did? Absolutely. I feel like I should have looked this up. But and I, that ball is yeah. definitely in my case. Is so it? you know what would be better than one ball having two balls? So, you know, I would like to get another one. But, no, I played against Drew Brees, man, ultra competitive. So that was 2014? 2014, 2014. You yes, were not man. with the Jaguars. I was with the Cleveland Browns. Oh, it, it was, was the home, Browns. It was okay. our home opener in Cleveland. In 2014, so it was my third year. In Home the, in opener the in Cleveland. Okay. That was pretty crazy, and you know, I just that that play right there still is just I can still feel the chill from from that play, man. <laughs> you know, I felt like I was running forever, but yeah, I had my experiences. Interception with the return for a touchdown. Yeah, yeah, it was it was it was you know it was it was pretty electric, man. So hopefully I could duplicate that. But uh, you know, playing against a guy like him is always a challenge, man. Well, He's we're talking. Well, we're going down memory lane. Do you remember your first primetime game? What was your first primetime game? My first primetime game. Or Monday game. night game, even. It, my first prom. See, we didn't get many primetime games in Cleveland or Jacksonville. <laughs> or Jacksonville. So <laughs> my first primetime was Thursday night against the Baltimore Ravens. Um, Joe Flacco, though, the, you know, that's when Baltimore, the, the NFC North ran through Baltimore. They had Ed Reed and Ray Lewis and all those guys. I remember being starstruck, like, that's really Ray Lewis. And, that's, and it was primetime, so you got, the, you got the, the, the cameras on. right there on top of your head. So I remember that, man. It was pretty crazy. It was definitely crazy. And, you know, as long as I've been a leader, I haven't had many primetime games play one Monday night football game, so I'm pretty excited about it, man. And I don't think many people watched it back then, so uh, <laughs> this right here might be different circumstances for sure. I think people are going to be watching. Absolutely. Eyeballs are going to be on Monday night football. It's the Saints. It's their first game since that NFC Championship Absolutely. playoff loss for the Texans, all these new pieces. Let's talk about you and Justin Reed because I know throughout the offseason you guys have really worked on your chemistry. Both of you guys missed a little bit of time in camp, but how do you feel about where the communication is right now between you and him and with Romeo Cornell's defense. Oh man, I think that with Jay Reed, um, our communication off the field is 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 so detrimental because we communicate just as much off the field as we do on the field. I mean, whether it's exchanging jokes or whether it's just talking about life or whether it's talking about ball, um, I think that with 
truly with Jay Reed, I think that, that this has been an easy transition because it's just more than football with him. And I haven't been knowing him a long time, but, man, he's a, he, he's one of those young guys that, you know, you see so much potential in him, man, and I've gravitated towards him, man. And you can kind of see that he understands that I've had a lot of uh, – played a lot of experience in this league, man. He, he He's like a sponge. And, you know, that's a beautiful thing, having a young guy who's that good but still eager to learn and want to be better. And I think that our communication, man, is, is up there with some of the best communication I've been a part of, man. And like I said, he's one of the guys who – knows the defense better than 90% and the 95% of the building. So, you know, having a guy like that, my running mate next to me looking across, um, having a guy like that is also beneficial. So uh, I think the communication for me and Jay Reed has been awesome um, on and off the field. And that's, that's the only thing that you can ask for, man, me being a new guy into this system. Um, he has truly just been more welcoming than anybody, man, and I'm a very appreciative for a young guy like that. All right, you're going up against the Saints. It's such a high-powered offense. What's going to be the key to stopping a guy like Michael Thomas and Drew Brees in that Saints office. What what are you really focused on this week? Oh, man, you think that when you see so many guys like Kamara with Drew Brees, with Michael Thomas, um, you know, the tight end, Cook, uh, they got so many moving parts that it's just – it's hard to try to say I'm a pinpoint and focus on one person, man, because, you know, that's a beautiful thing of, you know, the luxury that they have. You have perennial pro bowlers, perennial all pros over there. And the thing about it – And it's is, been a pretty consistent team over the last few years. They've sort of kept that core together, Absolutely. Right? Yeah. I mean, the core. So you got – these guys know each other. It's not a lot of change. It's not a lot of turnover where Drew Brees don't know who he's throwing the ball to. He don't know this guy. These are guys who he's been around for years, man. He's helped mold these guys, young careers, man, to be the kind of stars that they are today. So having a, ha, having going against and knowing that, uh, the only thing that you can do is go out there and play your game. And I think that you got got to tune out the noise. Yeah, we know it's Drew Brees, a first battle Hall of Fame. Michael Thomas, highest paid receiver in NFL history. But none of that matters on Monday night, man, because at the end of the day, he got to go up against who I feel are, are great cornerbacks in themselves and, and great defensive backs in ourselves. So at the end of the day, all of the accolades go out the window, man. It's man on man. And I think that the biggest thing for us is go out there and understand that, hey, we understand who we're going against, but we need to make sure our presence is felt and let them know that they got to understand who they're going against. And, uh, you know, it's a confidence thing. We go out there with the confidence. We can match up and play against anybody, no matter who's lined up across from us. And I think that that's the beautiful part about, um, you know, being in this defense, man. We got to start ourselves on our own, man. We got first battle Hall of Famers, too. So um, it's going to be a fun game, fun match, man. We're excited about it. All right, before I let you go, i got to ask you about your coaching career because you sort of have to put uh, that off to the side with Tashawn Gibson Jr. <laughs> How's he doing in, in uh, his Little League football? He is doing, man, a first game will be the September 13th. So, you know, I'm going to keep you guys up. Okay. As soon as I get <laughs> I home. I told you I'd ask you again I know, camp, I appreciate yeah. it. For, so, as <laughs> soon as we get home, he know definitely he got he got dead treadmills. I'm going to update y'all tonight <laughs> on the Instagram. He's he's super excited for me to be up here these late days. I promise y'all. He's because there's less time, oh, less, less time you have for he him. Asked, he asks mom all the time, "Is what time's dad come home?" So she calls me, and say, "What time will you be home?" And I say, "Well, you know, I'll be home around a certain time." And then she says, "So he has no workouts tonight?" No, he got workouts tonight. <laughs> so, but no, uh, I'm gonna keep y'all updated, man. But seriously, um, you know, the coach. We love thing, the videos. Love I, the videos. You gotta follow have, this guy on Instagram. I have to push him, and uh, you know, tonight I'm a, <laughs> just for that man. He got. He's definitely. Gonna, now I reminded you. He's oh, gonna great. get it tonight, and you know, I was gonna give him a break, but since he 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 want Chick Fil A for dinner, he got to work that off. So, He's got to work for the Chick-fil-A. He definitely got to work for the Chick-fil-A. All right, good stuff. Thanks so much, Deshaun. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I felt a little guilty after that interview because I felt like poor Deshaun Gibson Jr. is going to have some extra homework because I reminded Dad that, hey, uh, you know, doesn't he have some uh, some practice or some drills to run? But anyway, he is, he's a lot of fun to follow on Twitter and, and a lot of fun to watch his 53. You'll, you'll see this big sand pit that he's training in, and his son was out there with him too. So 
If you get a chance, HoustonTexans.com, the undrafted story and the 53 to Sean Gibson. That's up there now. You can really get to know him, but just a great guy. A lot of fun to interview. He loves to chat. You can pretty much ask him anything. He's very forthcoming uh, with all of it. All right, so let's switch gears. We're talking to the Saints this week because we want to know, what do the Saints look like? Their weekend, probably not as crazy as the Texans' weekends as far as transactions, but they did make a few but they've got a lot of returning starters. They had some storylines of their own this offseason, so we got into all that with John DeShazier of NewOrleansSaints.com. Well, we are super excited about heading to the Superdome, which from what I remember is really, really cold, so I'll be sure to bundle up, bring some coats and jackets for that first Monday night game. I would recommend that, yes, very much so. All right, it is such a big game for both teams. Let's talk about the Saints, uh, what the buzz has been like in the building and in the city. Obviously, everybody remembers what happened the last time the Saints took the field, that uh, NFC championship loss. How much has that been a storyline in the offseason? Are people still talking about that game, or have they sort of moved forward towards the 2019 season? Well, people are still talking about it. I mean, it's natural. I mean, you can't have that kind of ending to a season uh, and not, talk about it or try to gloss over it it's obviously a storyline now you know the team says they're past it and of course that's what they're going to say that's what they're supposed to say but you can't be human and that not affect you somewhat so i'm sure they're drawing some kind of inspiration off of it i'm, I'm, I'm certain i would i mean you use it for as much fuel as you possibly could and i think that's what they're in the process of doing during this offseason and during the lead up to the season so yeah it's it's been a fuel, and yet it hadn't been overwhelming. I mean, I think they've done a good job of pushing it to the background and not letting it dominate their headlines. I mean, they want to create their own narrative, and they understand that, you know, wallowing in that from last season isn't going to help them this season. So, you know, they're trying to move on as best they can, and I think they've done a pretty good job of it. If they're trying to move on, it certainly doesn't help that in week two they face the Rams. Has anyone really been talking about the fact that they're going to turn around and have to play that same team in a week? Not really. I mean, I'm sure it's going to be a, a, a dominant storyline during that week, but I mean, you know, as best they can, they're trying to take it one segment at a time, one unit at a time, I guess they would call it. But, you know, I know it's going to come up a lot, and, and they're going to say, you know, it's a different team and a different season, and, and it pretty much is. Uh, a lot of it, you know, you can't ignore the obvious storylines. I mean, it, it's going to be a difficult game. You're playing against a team um, that, you know, came into your building, won the NFC Championship game, and, and you feel like you're a team that were that was good enough to go to the Super Bowl and win it. And yet, dwelling on last season's outcome isn't going to do them a lot of good this year. Now, yeah, you'll use it for some fuel, I would imagine. But, you know, again, that's a really good team. And if you're worried about what happened last year, then you'll get punched in the mouth this year and have it, you know, just kind of multiply on you. So, you know, the best thing to do is just concentrate as best they can uh, on, on the beginning of the season. And they can't really be looking past the Texans at the Rams because they have a really difficult beginning of season schedule. Those first four games are, are pretty stout. You throw in Seattle and you throw in Dallas also. So they're trying to separate them as best they can. Let's talk about Drew Brees. He's heading into his 19th season. Has his approach to the game changed at all? I'm sure you've had your share of training camps and off seasons watching him work, but do you see anything different about him? And, and what is his key to long longevity? I'm sure that's something everybody wants to know if they could bottle up they probably could. They probably would. You know, the thing about him is, you know, he's the same. <laughs> he's the same every year, and that probably is why he is, you know, as great as, as he is and, and a first ballot, you know, Hall of Famer. Um, he's a guy who approaches it the exact same way mentally. And, you know, he's had to make some concessions physically, obviously, because you can't be the same guy, you know, at 39 or 40 as you were at 29 or 30. So, 
you know, he's had to modify his diet. He's had to modify his workout regimen. Uh, you know, he's on a little bit of a pitch count during training camp. But he's a guy also who, when he has those fit days during training camp, they bother him. He doesn't like to miss work. And, and you get to, you know, you don't get to be as great as Drew Brees is without being a little bit selfish that way. You know, you want to get all the reps. You want to get all the first-team reps. You want to get all the third-team reps if you can get them. You want as much work as you can possibly get. And that's the approach he's always had. He's a guy who, who, who doesn't cut corners. Um, he takes the long way. And whatever the right way is, if it's the long way, that's the route he's going. He's really been good about that in his NFL career. And so you know, it's benefited him greatly for the Saints. Again, you know, you make some concessions to what happens physically. So, you know, but what he's made the concessions to is he's now sharper mentally. He knows what's happening before it happens. And so he's made able to take advantage from that standpoint. So you know, it's really been a great process to see, you know, and a lot of athletes don't necessarily age gracefully. He has aged quite gracefully. I think a big story of the offseason we were all watching during training camp was getting his favorite target, Michael Thomas, the wide receiver, signed to a long-term contract. Now he's going to be the highest-paid wide receiver in the NFL. What sets Michael Thomas apart from the other receivers and makes him so hard to cover? He is voracious. He, he's a guy who yeah, he wants every ball. Uh, he's extremely physical. Um, if he sees one-on-one coverage, uh, in his mind and in the Saints' mind, I think uh, that's a win because he's extremely physical. If, if, a, if a center back wants to put his hands on Michael Thomas, he's going to end up paying a price playing a man-to-man. You know, he might not run a 4-3-40, but by the end of the game, you will feel his presence because he will have bruised you up uh, if you're going to play a man-to-man. He's got some fantastic hands. Uh, you know, the Saints always call it strong hands. You can call it whatever you want to, strong, sticky, whatever you want to call it. If the ball's in his vicinity and if it's in his catch radius, he's pretty much going to come down with it. And that's been a great luxury for Drew Brees to have. I mean, he's got a guy who is a legitimate, bona fide number one receiver. Another guy that's a lot of fun to watch, Alvin Kamara. The Saints signed Latavius Murray in the offseason, sort of give that one-two punch to the ground game. Does that change Kamara's role? Not at all. I mean, <laughs> and the thing about him is, you know, the, the Saints want to, they want to try to keep Alvin probably there around – you know, 16, 18 touches a game, um, a certain amount of runs, a certain amount of receptions. And, you know, he's caught 81 passes the previous two seasons, his first two NFL seasons, 81 passes, 81 receptions each season. They want to keep him uh, to a certain amount of touches to keep him fresh. And yet, we saw at the beginning of the last season, Mark Ingram was suspended the first four games uh, of the season. I want to say Alvin's touches were up around the mid-20s, you know, maybe 26 touches per game he's able to handle that kind of load would it show up later in the season probably would um but because he's a guy who you know you don't want to have him running between the tackles all game long but he's capable of doing that he's a guy who his balance is phenomenal he's got receivers hands uh he they say he's one of the smartest people in the room in terms of adapting and learning what you want to do offensively he's really really a good player. I mean, you know, watching him is a treat. Watching people to try to get him off his feet uh, is, is a treat because he's a guy who his, his balance is phenomenal. I don't know if you've seen some of the YouTube videos of him or, or some of the videos that have been on Twitter of him uh, exhibiting his balance, but, you know, he, he's a phenomenal guy. He's a, he's a freakish type athlete. Doesn't look like he's moving real fast, but people rarely catch him from behind. It doesn't look like he's overexerting himself. He, he's he moves real smooth, 
but he's extremely effective. He's stronger than he looks. Uh, when it's time, he'll he'll get skinny. So he, you know, people don't really get good, solid, square hits on Alvin Kamara, uh, which is phenomenal for a guy who who touches it and is in a lot of traffic when he touches it a lot of time. We're talking with John DeShazer of uh, NewOrleansSaints.com. John, a lot of transactions over the weekend. The Texans added a few former Miami Dolphins, and it looks like the Saints did too. They added. Kiko Alonso, the former Dolphins linebacker via trade. Do you expect him to play on Monday night? And if so, what does he bring to that Saints defense? Well, I think he's going to play now. I don't know how much of a role he's going to play because the Saints starting linebackers should be intact. And that's uh, A.J. Klein, Demario Davis, and Alex Anzalone. Alex Anzalone was injured uh, for the latter part of preseason, so he missed some work. Uh, bringing in Alonzo is an insurance policy for him. But I think he's going to play some. How much, I don't know, because Craig Robertson, is the main backup for that three linebackers. Also, there's a rookie, Kate Nellis, who makes the 53-man roster. He also is a backup. I think Alonzo's going to get some shots. It might be primarily special teams here in this first game for him because he's trying to learn the system, but we know he's a guy who's a veteran. He knows defenses. Uh, he's seen the Saints play defense, and so he, he's able to play all three positions. And during the amount of time that the Saints have had him, they've probably just isolated on a position for him to play right now, whether it be Sam or Mike or Will. But they've probably isolated on a position and a few assignments for him. And that way you can work him in slowly as opposed to trying to have him learn all three positions. But I expect him to get some staff at linebacker. I expect him to play some on special teams. Uh, he's a guy who's got a reputation of being you know, a pretty physical player. Uh, he's a guy who whose motor runs pretty high. So he'll be a good addition to that linebacking core. It seems like a lot of continuity for the Saints offense. They've got a lot of starters returning from last year. How does this Saints team compare to the one that you saw last year? Well, on paper, it looks pretty good. Uh, but, you know, you don't get anything um, anything handed over or nothing leaks over from last year to this year. They've got a new center, uh, rookie Eric McCoy, and that's going to be a challenge a little bit, especially when you talk about a guy like J.J. White along Houston's defensive line because we know J.J. Watt moves up and down that line. And so, you know, there are some times he'll line up over the guards and, you know, he'll move in at defensive tackle, and that's going to be a challenge for a rookie center. Fortunately for him, he's got some veteran guards next to him, but J.J. Watt doesn't care if you're a veteran or a rookie. <laughs> he's going to play well anyway, so that's going to be something for the Saints to contend with. But for the most part, there's a lot of continuity on this team. Um, very few people moving into a starting role uh, and, and really besides that, that rookie center. So, you know, you expect to see some continuity, and yet, you know, you're not guaranteed anything by what's on paper. You just hope those guys, they hope that they're able to start fast. They really played well as a unit, uh, the number one offense and defense during preseason, but we know how those stats and those games can be a bit misleading. So, you know, you want to see how it happens when you're going out there against a team that's really scheming against you and see if you can execute. All right, John, we've had to wait all off season for week one. We've got a few more days that we're going to have to wait. So what are some of the top storylines that you're going to be covering for the Saints this week? Well, I mean, you obviously have to look at the, at some of the guys receiving, specifically who's going to be some of the backup receivers because you know, the Saints had some nice young guys flash during the preseason, but they pretty much stuck with the units that they had last year. Uh, a couple of guys backing up in Austin Carr as well as, as, well as Keith Kirkwood, and those two guys, they're going to have to show a pretty big ball. I'm looking forward to seeing Jared Cook at tight end because I think Jared Cook at tight end could be a real weapon for the Saints offensively. Uh, he is a big target. Uh, and he's, when I say big, he's 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", 230, 240, 
and he looks the part. I mean, he is a guy who had a great season for Oakland last year, and he can give this offense the kind of weapon at tight end, that guy who runs down that seam and he's opposite Michael Thomas that they probably hadn't had in a couple of years. So he could be a big factor. I'm looking forward to seeing him work with Drew Brees. He didn't get a chance to work with him at all during the preseason because uh, both guys were pretty much held out for the majority of preseason. And then when Brees did go into the third preseason game, Cook was a little bit dinged up, so the Saints didn't risk it. But I'm looking forward to seeing him out there in this offense because I think he can give you a lot of mismatches, whether it be against a linebacker or a safety or a corner. It really doesn't matter. He's big enough to where if he's covered, Drew Brees is going to throw it, and he's going to trust Jared Cook to go up and get it because of that size advantage or because of that physical advantage, whether it be speed or whatever it is. He's a guy who he doesn't have to be open to be open, if you know what I mean. So I'm really looking forward to seeing him in this offense. Well, we're looking forward to Monday Night Football with the Saints. John, thank you so much. John DeShazer of NewOrleansSaints.com. Monday cannot come fast enough, John. Hey, thank you for having me, and, and I'm, I can't wait for it. I mean, I am really ready. Thursday's going to get here fast, and then it's just going to make me jealous and wait for Monday. <laughs> Watching all those Sunday games, that's right. Should be a fun matchup. Everyone's looking forward to it. Thanks, John. All right, good stuff from the enemy sidelines, from the opposing viewpoint, uh, from the Saints website. So, Let's see how it all shakes out after week one, but we'll be bringing you this podcast every week, probably around Wednesday or Thursday, whenever I can get it up. We'll get you the deep slant uh, presented by Xfinity Player that we get in studio, and then we'll give you an opposing beat writer as well. So look forward to that every single week. That will be like clockwork because hey, we're in game week mode, so pretty much everything happens on schedule because all these things need to get done during the week, and we're here every single day, all day long even on Sundays. But you know what? Uh, cannot come soon enough. Monday Night Football, 610 kickoff, ESPN, Sports Radio 610. Also, be sure to check out HoustonTexans.com. We've got all the coverage during the game. And, hey, Saturday nights, if you're near your TV, 11 p.m., or after your late local news on ABC, Texans Extra Points. And immediately following that, Texans Buzz, it's back. Also, the season premiere of that. That's me and Drew Doherty. We take you uh, to the fun side uh, the players and Tashawn Gibson, who was on this podcast, will be on that as well as well as Justin Reed and a lot of other players. You're not going to want to miss that. But you know what? That's going to do it for our podcast. If you can check it out iTunes, tune in, sit your leave a review, subscribe, like it, give us some feedback, and we'll be back next week. So as always, thanks for listening and go Texans.